Hey guys, hope you had a great weekend and happy Monday to you all or if you're listening on the replay and it's not live, then hope you're having a great week. I just wanted to say um, sorry to advance for the audio on this episode. Um, it's not horrible, but it's not my favorite. We did our best with editing, but unfortunately, real life, um, Rose was going through a crazy storm in Texas, and it messed with um, our connection. So we did our best with editing, but it's such a great episode, and Rose shares so much goodness in advocation, like advocating for um, yourself. I'm just made up a word. (laughs) Um, And advocating for moms and like her story, and I just didn't want to lose it, so... I hope you guys enjoy this episode regardless. Thank you so much for all the love in my DMs and emails and messages about me um, feeling sick. Um, I will share more about that later, but all is well, and I'm feeling much better. Thank you. Um, And I hope you guys had a great weekend and all is going well with you. I hope you're letting yourselves enjoy and get out in the sun and get vitamin D and just, you know, enjoy life. Um, I think that's like my biggest message right now is just to lean into faith over fear overall and to just embrace and enjoy life and to trust your God-given intuition and your gut in all ways, shapes, and forms. I think that that's just such an important message right now. And the last episode um, with my other guest was all about trusting your intuition and your gut and all that and I had so many dms about it and I was so glad because I think more and more people are waking up to that and I think it's so important to have those conversations around that so I just wanted to share that so I hope you guys have a great week and you enjoy this episode Rose Campbell is an incredible mom and influencer um and just entrepreneur in the space and we had a great conversation and um yeah so um, I am currently at my in-laws in Pennsylvania. Um, I will do an update soon for you guys of what's going on and when we're moving and all of that. So stay tuned. And I felt like I had another thing to tell you guys, but real mom brain. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. As always, please screenshot and post it to social media. Tag Allie Design and everything with Allie Levine. Tag my guest if you like as well. Share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe. Let everyone know how much you love this podcast. It really means so much to me, and it does so much for the show. If you haven't left a five-star written review yet, please do so. It also means so much to the algorithm of podcasts and just everything else. So thank you, thank you for all the love in advance. I have some incredible guests coming up as usual for the next couple months. I've booked some really incredible people, so I can't wait to share them with you guys. And until next time, cheers. I'll talk to you all soon. This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host, Allie, and I'm so excited for today's guest. I have Rose Campbell. Before I bring Rose on, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about her. So Rose is a native Houstonian and mother of five. Her experiences as a parent have led to a passion for all things pregnancy and birth. As Mrs. Woodlands, Rose is dedicated to lowering the maternal death rate by raising awareness of often misunderstood or overlooked prenatal and postpartum conditions. Rose's high-risk pregnancies and five years as a doula working with parents and babies provided her with the opportunity to collaborate with several maternity care organizations such as PPCM Fund and Postpartum Support International. She's traveled the United States advocating and speaking for women, including Texas AIM, Mom Congress, and many others. 
She currently also works as a mommy blogger for Carolina Campbells, and she does TV gigs as well as is a co-owner of the Storks Warehouse and web series, The Storks Nursery. And Rose will be representing Mrs. Woodlands at the Mrs. Texas pageant this August, 2021. And she also just released her first ebook on Amazon. Rose, welcome to my show. Thanks for having me, Allie. Yeah, so excited to have you here. So I want to give my listeners a little bit of a backstory on you and have you share a little bit of, you know, how um, you got into this space. Obviously, you are a mom as five. How old are all your kids? They are seven to two. Wow. So, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot in itself. And then you're, and then you're doing so many other things. <laughs> oh yeah. No, not a lot of sleep and a lot of coffee is how it goes. <laughs> I love it. Well, so, you know, let, tell me and tell my listeners, like, you know, were you always so passionate about, you know, the pregnancy and motherhood space um, when it was like your first pregnancy or did this come over time, like give us a little backstory of how you became so passionate and not just passionate, but you took the, your passion and used it to advocate for others as well as yourself. So I wasn't really passionate during my first pregnancy. I was young and I knew that I didn't want a C-section and that was about it. So it wasn't until, you know, 32 hours of labor and not a very great labor experience that I that I decided to look into it and then a year later I was pregnant again and during that pregnancy is when I became a doula and, and started getting really passionate about it and and then I you know three more kids and I just the more pregnant I became the more um, passionate I got in in my own experiences from pregnancy and postpartum. Wow. So you, you mentioned for your first um, pregnancy and labor, you said 32 hours. Yes, 32 hours. And it wasn't really my, my fault. They put me on, on Pitocin. And then like, as I was progressing about like, I think it was like 28 hours, they decided to like stop my Pitocin because they had no other doctors on call. And so my husband was like standing there going, oh no, he was so afraid he was gonna have to deliver the baby. But it, it ended up working out, but um, that was that was traumatic, you know, let's stop your labor so we can go take care of someone else. And so that was one of the reasons I, was, I, became, I became a doula after that. Wow, it's so incredible to hear other women birth stories and their experiences because I had 42 hours of labor, my first baby. And, you know, I just remember like first I had 30 hours natural because I really wanted to have a natural water birth and <laughs> Amelia had other plans and I wound up in an unexpected C-section after 42 hours. And I just remember like how you were saying Pitocin. I just remember like, even though I didn't, you know, get to stay natural and, you know, be in that state with my doula and my midwife and at the birth center where I felt really comfortable as much as it was so much hard work and so much harder than I had ever imagined or planned for. I was in so much more of a shock and in more pain and more discomfort being on the Pitocin and on the epidural at the hospital because I just didn't like the feeling of the entire environment. And just, they put me on so much Pitocin because when they brought me into the hospital like you know they long story short just like wanted to like crank it up and be like let's get her out and so it was like I went from on no drugs to just full-blown like hey let's just shoot you up to like I think it's like 15 and it was just like whoa what was that and then I was an epidural to like keep the pain down and I couldn't feel anything so I can't even imagine like you saying that like stopping your labor and all that like that must have been so traumatic Yeah, it, it really was. And I think being on Pitocin, because it wasn't like an induction, like a planned induction. It was, oh, your pee's a little high today. Let's let's go and induce you. Can you be back at the hospital in two hours? And I was like, oh, 
okay, so you're already going there thinking, oh, I'm, I'm worried, but, and, and, um, oh man, I guess I, I just didn't know that it was, that was kind of the norm um, to induce moms and, you know, so I ended up me having to be induced for all my other ones because I was on blood thinners. And so um, that was something I just, I could not get around. And I was sad about that, but I think a lot of women realize that when they're on Pitocin, they, the doctors seem to make them believe that they can't do anything. And that has really affected moms and, and delivery. And if you can't do anything while you're in labor, like moving around, then you're going to be in a lot of pain and it's already a, you know, it's not, it's not a hotel, you know, it's not the birth <laughs> are so nice and your home is so nice, but it's like this, this cold room that everybody has the same bedding. Everybody wears the same thing. And so that was kind of where I, I step in and I set up the room with lights and I make it with birth affirmations and we change the sheets and, and we, and we put them on in something nice and we try and make it more comfortable because the hospitals are so they're just not warming and, and they should, I guess they shouldn't be, but maybe for like the pregnancy and postpartum Lord, you would think, you know, white sheets that might have a stain from the prior person isn't the best option for, <laughs> for a mom, you so know? True. Yeah, you're right. And it is, you're right. It's like, it's so cold. And like you, for especially people that are like super energy and tuned, like myself, like you just feel it and it feels off. Like I remember like when they went from, you know, my birth center where they told me, I was going to need interventions and I need to go to the hospital. And first off, of course, I was totally was so upset in that moment because I wanted to stay at the birth center and I wanted to really have my tempers and they transferred me. And I remember like seeing the bright lights and just like feeling the difference in energy and being like, whoa, like, where am I? Like, what did I just walk into? Like, it was, it was such a shock to my system. So I completely agree with you. And I, I love that, you know, you use that to fuel you to go into being a doula and being like, okay, I'm going to set up the environments and the situations for moms. And so, you know, you've been a doula for quite some time now, right? Yeah, so five years, six years now. I haven't done much doula work since COVID because we weren't really allowed in the hospitals. And I know a lot of people went virtual, but even then, you know, there's that liability, the hospitals don't want video, even though you're not recording. So it's been kind of hard to support moms this year. So I've kind of taken a step back and focused on the maternal mortality um, instead. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's been such a wild year. I was grateful that my doula um, was when I was pregnant with Arlie during the pandemic, um, you know, when they told her she couldn't be there, you know, physically and they really cut it off um, early on. And I had to really swallow that reality that I was going to have her. She was really great about us doing virtual all the time while I was home. And then when um, I uh, was at the hospital, we told them straight up, like, hey, here's how this is going to go. She's going to be on FaceTime. And we were on FaceTime for 13 hours. God bless her. Um, and Aww. yeah, it was amazing, Stacey. And she was just like walking me through and helping me and coaching me. And it was like, holy crap, it's like you're here. Like it was so, so freaking helpful. And like, I, yeah, I just, I feel for moms so much, especially there's COVID, the pandemic, like you're right. It's taken away so many of those resources, but I love that you pivoted into, like you said, the maternal space. Talk to us a little bit about that, share a little bit about that and why that is, you know, so passionate for you and, and why you do so much work in this space. So part of why I became a doula was a lot of moms were not supported after stillbirth. And so I went my first year as a doula, I only did moms who were going through that. And so after that, I kind of shifted to high risk moms only. Um, again, because a lot of moms think that a doula isn't really there for you know, those high-risk moms, um, they're more for, you know, the natural deliveries, and I, so I, I stepped into the, the, well, let's use the epidural as a tool, let's use the Pitocin as a tool, but, you know, there's things we have to do, like keep moving, and, you know, switching, uh, switching positions and stuff, excuse me, so after that, I, I lost a mom, and it was very, very traumatic, and, um, and then during my pregnancies, 
they were just, they were horrible. And they couldn't tell me what was wrong. Um, but I also felt like they weren't really interested in what was wrong. And so I had to reach out to other other people for support. And um, it wasn't until I went to mom Congress after my last baby and um, I met I met the owner of PPCM and we, we became friends. And then two weeks, talk about energies, you know, just fate, you know, um, on meeting people. Two weeks after I met her, I went into cardiac arrest and l- literally almost, almost died. And wow. it, it was her that was, who was telling me in the back of my mind, ask them for this, this test. The, it's a BMP test, ask them for it. And I had five blood clots. I've had a stillbirth. I've had an IUGR baby. I've had very difficult pregnancies and they just didn't test me for things. I mean, they tested me for things like Ebola, but not pregnancy related heart conditions. Okay. So, yeah, I, okay. Um, I was at a delivery and at another hospital and the doctor looked at me and said, what is wrong? And I didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't see clearly. I mean, I had like the white dots. My left side was going numb. And he told me to go to a heart hospital that was 15 minutes down the road. So I did. And I literally like stumbled in there. And the receptionist asked me like, what's wrong? And I couldn't even speak. All I, I, I tapped my chest and said my heart. And they immediately got me back. And um, the doctor, they were, they were just chatting to each other. And I finally spoke up and said, I think I need this test. I'm four, four months postpartum. I don't know what's wrong. Can we please just try this? And it was a BMP test and they were, they were doing all sorts of echograms and all of that. And they finally came back and said, yeah, you have PPCM. I don't know why the, the, you know, the doctors didn't pick up on this. You're lucky you came at the time you did. Otherwise, you would have died. Wow. And wow. It's sad because Texas is on the top 10 for maternal mortality. And one of those is heart conditions. And the other is postpartum depression and then hemorrhaging. And those are the top three. I don't understand why one in eight women are dying. I mean, that's ridiculous. We shouldn't be on the list. So what I'm proposing is for people to, for doctors to do the BMP test postpartum. Um, and then it's because it's curable. It's, it's nothing that, that if, if they do this test, they can, they can catch it quickly. Um, this test is also linked back to cancer and I had cancer in December. Um, and so it, it, it's something that is a preventative measure, but unless you're high risk and unless you have like cancer in your family, they're just not willing to do it. And so that's what I'm doing right now is advocating for this test. And then after that, we can focus more money on moms and postpartum depression because if they know what's going on with them, there's more likely a chance that they're not going to have as bad of postpartum depression because they're able to get the treatment they need. Um, and we've, we had a mom, we lost a mom this year to postpartum depression and she was a PPCM mom. And it was just, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be on the top 10. And that's my, my rant on that. Wow. So can you, because honestly, I'm kind of clueless to this and I'm, I don't know about my listeners, but can you share um, a little bit about this test and like what it's for and what exactly PPCM is? So PPCM is peripartum cardiomyopathy and BMP and BPN test basically is a test that Oh my goodness, it's hard to explain, but they look for genetic markers for like blood clotting and um, any, anything abnormal, um, white high blood cell count, but this one is specifically linked back to your heart. 
And so basically when you give birth, some women don't lose that fluid. And that fluid basically, because I mean, you have a lot of water weight during your pregnancy and a lot of people don't realize that. But if they don't, normally, if you, you can lose it at six to nine weeks postpartum, but some moms don't. And that fluid will travel up and into your heart. And if you have blood clotting disorders or anything like that, it will cause an infection. And that is part of peripartum, peripartum cardiomyopathy. And so there is a cure for it. Um, but a lot of doctors don't see you until nine to 12 weeks. And sometimes some doctors just don't even see you postpartum. And so that's something else that we're really trying to push is more doctor visits. I mean, your midwife probably saw you. I don't, I don't know if she saw you because you had ended up needing a section, but normally a midwife will see you two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, my midwife still, like, she was like, you know, I have to say, like, she was great because even though I had the C-section, she actually asked if she could go in and she was in the OR when they um, cut me and she was there with my husband and um, she uh, saw me a few days after and then she saw me two weeks after and she was actually one of the first ones to also diagnose me with postpartum depression. Yeah, so midwives are are more personable, and I feel like doc if doctors could just take a step back for moms that are postpartum, we would have a less less um we would have less moms dying, and that's just uh, wow. <laughs> that must have been so scary. I mean, did they tell you like when you you know when you ask for that test right and you're there and everything's happening? Did they say to you like you like you could like you almost died? Yeah. Yeah. The cardiologist told me that he's, you, he, he's like, I don't know how you knew about that test. I don't know why your OBGYN didn't refer you out to anybody, but this, this is exactly what, what test you needed. And if we hadn't done that, you probably would have died because we wouldn't have known what was wrong with you. And it's such a simple test, you know, and I, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, no kidding. Like, no wonder, like, you know, you've gotten so loud about it and are advocating for it. I mean, you know, and it, it's obviously that's how, you know, you make change by, you know, especially when you like lived it and went through a personal experience. But this is why I have a real issue with like the medical, you know, industry in a, in a sense, because I tell it to my husband all the time, I'm like, okay, don't get me wrong. There's some really great doctors out there and there's some really great people in medicine, but overall, there are so many who just keep looking at people as numbers and they just kind of like pass you along and they don't do the things as far as running the extra tests. And like you said, like there's an actual cure and there's a test and there's all these things that are simple that can be done, but just aren't happening. And it's like, this is where you see, you know, in my opinion, the medical system fail us like over and over again. It's like, they're so concerned about certain things, but then other things that can be actually handled just get like pushing it like, you know, under the rug. Like you, you just said, you're like Texas, Alaska, like big, you know, states that have these, like, what did you say? The top five or top 10? Yeah, we're in the top 10 for maternal mortality rate in, in the United States. And then the United States is in the top five for maternal mortality. Wow. Wow. It's just, it's crazy. I had no, yeah. I had no idea those stats existed. So I will, obviously I'm so glad you're okay. And that's wonderful that you're advocating for other moms and, you know, sharing all that, because I think it's so obviously important to, you know, help others know that like, Hey, this might be something you actually have to get tested for and something that can be handled. If you, you know, had the resources, it's like, you know, with postpartum depression and everything, when I went and sat with, you know, my doctor and I told them I wasn't feeling very well and I was off when I had one of my checkups, you know, they had me fill out this paperwork where I had to check off these boxes. I didn't even feel like I could check off half those boxes or even know what the hell I was talking about. And I just went home, like, 
basically told it was baby blues and it was no big deal and just to keep moving forward and little did I know that I was already in like a fucking spiral of hell and I you know didn't even know it till months later when my midwife and my postpartum specialist diagnosed me and were like oh no shit you're in this and you're deep in it stats we have all these crazy like you know numbers of like being in the top five United States and all these things and this is where I feel like the medical system really fails us because it's like okay like you said we have the cure we have the test we have all these things and we're just like not necessarily doing it and we're like focus on other things but like this is something it should be focused on it's not getting focused on it's getting pushed to the side and it's like you know I think about even my postpartum depression like going to the doctor at one of my checkups and telling them I felt kind of off when they were checking me and asking what's going on and they give me like this paperwork to fill out but they're like you know check off the boxes of how you're feeling and I remember sitting there and being like check off the boxes I didn't even know what the hell I like half the boxes were even saying I didn't feel like half the things related to me I was so confused I was so like uh never mind like barely checked anything off and gave it back and like basically told them I wasn't feeling very well and I was out of it and basically diagnosed me with like baby blues and being a new mom and like shoot me on my way and it was just like I'm you know don't drive because like your c-section still doesn't heal and it was like oh okay great thanks so I'm still like better than basically and I just like left and this was around I think like eight nine weeks maybe around there and um I just remember like leaving and being like wow like I had no idea like what to even think about that interaction or what I was feeling I was a brand new mom I had no clue and then you know I think about later on with my midwife who like very much diagnosed me and then referred me to the postpartum specialist and when she met up with me she was like wow you are really deep in it and meanwhile like I had left then kind of knowing from that doctor's appointment I was in like something but I didn't realize what a dark like place and dark hell I was really in until I was fully blown you know diagnosed and I think because I was just wrote off like oh you know whatever no big deal it's baby blues like you, you know you sharing what you just shared it's like that happens so much to moms where it just gets written off like oh it's just no big deal it's like it, it's just it's normal oh this is just this and it's like it's not no, I agree, especially with the Edinburgh scale, which is the, the checkmark one for postpartum depression, it, the questionnaire. Um, it doesn't really, I mean, it's not personable. <laughs> they give it to all their moms. And I, I personally did the same thing you did, just kind of, oh, they're going to just have me answer a questionnaire on this? Okay. Um, and they just told me, oh, it's just baby blues. You know, you just, you just lost a baby. You know, you just you know, it's normal. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but thanks. <laughs> um, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing, right? It's like, we've come so far as moms, but we have so much work still to do in so many spaces when it comes to our maternal health and all these issues that you're discussing. Like, I didn't know anything about this until you just shared it. Like, I know a little bit about, you know, um, like you said, Lindsay from PBCM, because I've met her through you and I've, you know, spoken about her, you know, and everything, but I didn't know the like full depths of, you know, the test and like what it all led to and all the stats. Like, it's just crazy when you start to like find out things like this, you're like, wow. And then when you find out there's a cure and there's a test, like you're like, why are not more moms being tested for this? Why are there not more, more discussions around this? More doctors making sure that like this is happening. OBs are putting this as something that's like routine versus like you know oh well we have to check for this and this but that gets put on the back of the burner being like oh well that's like a fluke thing but what you just described is actually pretty common yeah it's it's pretty common for moms um you know it's getting to the point where you go to a doctor's office and then you have to tell them what what you have they don't diagnose you anymore yeah, it's wild. It's so it's so true. It's like here, what here's what I think I have from diagnosing myself versus like, hey, I think you know this this might not be what you know we think it is. So like, let's look into something else. So it's just wild too because like you said of like the energy and like fate. Like, had you not met Lindsay and like had you not like you know gone to Mom Congress, like who knows if you would have been able to advocate for yourself. I would not have and that and it's it's funny to say that because I am a doula and I was a doula at that time but it's hard to advocate for yourself when you don't 
I don't want to say I didn't have the support because my husband was very supportive. He did not understand what was going on. He didn't go to mom Congress. So he was just like, I don't know, you know, um, but it, it, it's, it's hard to advocate for yourself and you shouldn't have to advocate like that for yourself. You, they're trained to help you. And if I hadn't met her, I'm not sure my kids would have a mom today. Yeah, that's, that's wild. I mean, wow. Well, and you talking about Rose about advocating for yourself and like, even I appreciate you being raw and real about, you know, even yourself as a doula, having a hard time advocating for yourself because there's so many moms who don't even, you know, have doulas or have much support and they don't advocate for themselves and they don't know how to. And that's something I've gotten really passionate about and something I learned, especially from, you know, second birth, you know, fast forward to being pregnant, you know, with Arlie during COVID, the pandemic, and then being able to achieve my VBAC, like, I had no idea how much advocating for yourself, not only do you take your power back, and you stand in your power as a mom, but you also like really challenge like the medical system and the quote unquote experts in front of you. And you see that like, you know, they are human too, and that they can be wrong, and they can make mistakes and all these things. And you're just like, oh, wow, I think that when you start to do that and you start to really step into that power and advocate for yourself, you realize like how strong you really are as a mom and how you do know so much of your own body and your own intuition, but we're told and we're taught by the system and by the medical and by all these things that like we're not right about our gut and we're not right about this and we're not right about that. And so I just appreciate you sharing that it was even hard for you to advocate, to know how to advocate for yourself as a dual. And I'm curious, like, you know, you have five kids now. What's the difference in yourself from going from like that moment to now being like, you know, fifth pregnancy through now postpartum, like the whole thing and like a real seasoned mom in a lot of ways. What is it like now for you to be a dual as well and be, I'm sure, in a much more of a place where you can advocate for yourself? What, like, what is that like? I feel like it is more empowering for me. Um, and I, I know that's probably sounds so weird, but my last pregnancy was, was pretty rough. And then my delivery, I advocated so hard. Like my deliveries before I ended up switching del- deliver um, like OBGYNs and while pushing on my fourth. And so with my fifth, I find, I found a very, very supportive OBGYN he didn't do as many tests as I would have liked but he was very supportive and I had gone to birth with him he's the only one in Houston that will do VBACs um especially twin VBACs and he'll even do twin vaginal deliveries first time around and so my husband was like I'm gonna help deliver the baby and we're gonna do this and and there were so many things that we just we said no this is what we're gonna do and you're not gonna tell me no I hired you and I can fire you at any point. And so I, having that experience myself was just, it was very empowering. And so when I went to my first delivery after my own delivery, um, it was a very, um, the mom was just, she was having a very hard time. And the doctor stepped in and was like, this is what we're going to do. And it was very aggressive. And I I told him, you know, no, step back. We're going to discuss this because she hired you and she can fire you and if I hadn't gone through that myself I feel like I wouldn't have been able to support these these moms as as well as I could have and so another thing that like really bothers me is people people think that having a c-section is like the easy way out and I'm not sure if if people realize that most women, when they do have a C-section, they've already gone through 20 plus, 30 plus hours of labor and they are already going through, they're having like a two for one. And not only are they getting cut open, but they were also, they also had all that pressure, you know, down there and, and some women even tried pushing and so they're swollen and they're hurting and, and I am sick of it. I'm sick of people saying moms are going, are having the easy way out by having these C-sections when a C-section recovery is so much worse than a a vaginal delivery. And I'm just, I don't know. It just really irks me. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I hear you. I mean, look, I, you know, I've had a C-section I've had a VBAC and I told my husband, I'm like, oh my God, as much as the VBAC was like all different type of recovery and it was painful and it was hard. I mean, the C-section, there's no, for me, there was no question. I mean, the C-section was brutal, especially the fact that like it was 42 hours and then I was exhausted. I was bedridden. I couldn't get a bed for almost like three weeks. I couldn't go up and down my stairs for almost five weeks. I couldn't drive for nine weeks. Like it was so intense. My recovery, my body was like, holy shit, what just happened? I felt like I literally had been hit by a truck twice. Like it was just, it was wild. And I agree with you. Like it's, it's so funny. You said that because I don't know if you saw my reels. I recently posted where in one of the comments that like, it's like a, you know, one of the trolley comments I got was like, I thought it, I thought it, you know, I thought it was easier. You know, it's like, yeah, sure. You know, it's just like, people don't realize um, that, you know, of course all births are like so intense and there's so much, I mean, I always joke with people like, you literally go through a car wreck and at least as far as your body's concerned and you somehow are still here, you know, it's like, it's wild. Yeah. And you're stuck with a newborn baby that you have to, you know, breastfeed, or even if you don't breastfeed, you have to formula feed, you know, after being hit by a truck. (laughs) You have to survive and not just survive, but like thrive and potentially feed them in one way or another. And like, be somewhat like normal to them to like function and be their mom. I mean, it's crazy. And you're supposed to just like, Oh, bounce back, get it together. No big deal. It's all good. Like here we are. And it's just like, no, it's so freaking crazy. How many people like think that and you're right with the C-section, like it's so intense. There's so much that goes along with it. And I mean, I just like, I mean, I still to this day, remember how traumatic my C-section was for me. And how crazy it was. And I think about, you know, my feedback and I love that you shared that about your own, like higher and fire. I love that. Cause I, I would do the same thing. Like my doula that I had Stacy was so empowering for me because when I, um, went to, you know, when I found out I was pregnant and uh, the second time and I went to my doctor, um, and I went, you know, just like locally around here just for prenatals this was before COVID hit. And I was like, just doing prenatals and I found out I was pregnant and she looked at me um, in the second appointment and said to me, okay, you know, let's schedule your C-section. And I said, excuse me. And she said, let's get you scheduled because I see you had a C-section with your first. So let's get this all set up and let's pick a date for the birthday of your baby. And I was like, whoa, I just found out I'm having a second baby. I'm still like even computing, like this is all happening. And you want to already like get me on a table and like get the baby out. Like, whoa, what's going on? And she was like, oh, no, it's just standard procedure. We just like make sure we, you know, check everything off our boxes, like sign this here. Then you're going to have a C-section. And I looked at her and I was like, uh, honestly, I don't think I'm going to have a C-section. I think I'm going to have a VBAC. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she immediately went into fear, like how to make me scared. Like, here's the risks. Here's this. Here's that. Here's the paperwork. Let me explain to you why you don't want to do a VBAC and like, literally tried everything to convince me like there's no way you're going to do this and thank god because of my c-section with amelia and the birth community i came so close to i learned from different chiropractors and doulas and midwives that like that was not true and that you can have a v-back and i learned what a v-back was which for those listening that don't know it's vaginal birth after a c-section and so I was like really empowered and educated on what it was. And I knew like right from the start when I got pregnant with Arlie, like this is what I'm going for. And so I love that you said that about the hiring and firing because that's what my doula turned to me and said, you can fire her. You don't have to stick with her. You can find someone who aligns with your values and you can tell her like, no. And that's exactly what I did. And it was funny in the moment. I remember at first being like kind of scared, like a little, you know, kid in class, like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. And I was like, oh, what should I do that? Like, what if she's right? And then I was like, no, my inner voice, my intuition was like, no, tell her like, you're not going to keep her anymore. Like she's not doing things the way you want. And I fired her and I told her I will go elsewhere. And I was so grateful I did because it took me a few doctors, but then I found Dr. Brock who, you know, gave me my VBAC and is known as the VBAC King of Los Angeles. And he was amazing. And not only did he let me advocate for myself, but he really hung in there with me even when at the end when Arlie was right at 42 weeks and he was like getting ready to want to induce me and I was like Dr. Brock with all respect you told me I could go to the end 
as long as everything looks good, I want to go to the end. And he was like, okay, we will go to the end. And if things change when we were doing the induction, but like he really followed through even to the last detail when our league like even got a little bit stuck at the end and I spiked the fever and he looked at me and he was like, okay, if this doesn't play out and like, I'm sorry, I know you wanted to be back, but like, I have to do what's right for you and the baby. And I was like, no, I understand. And he was like, but um, here we go. Like, I'm going to get the vacuum. We're going to do everything in our might to help you move her. And as long as like, she comes you know, down, like you're, you know, I gave you medicine, your fever will go down. Like, we'll be all right. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you got to push with everything. I'll never forget in that moment. I mean, I pushed with everything and anything I had. And there she was on my chest. But when you speak about the power of advocating for yourself and how you said about the hiring and the firing, I just love that because I think more and more moms need to tap into that God-given intuition and that empowerment that we all have and that power that we all do have. Really, I believe as soon as we really truly get pregnant is where that power like takes a whole new level. But we have as women and we let others take away from us. No, I, I agree. And I don't understand why they push the C-section so much. Well, it's money. <laughs> um, I mean, it's all money. I, I, I mean, they kept, I switched so many doctors. Um, okay, I'm good. Um, I switched so many doctors because they just, oh, you, you had a dystocia baby. And with my first, he was dystocia, which means he got stuck um, in the canal coming out. But the nurse like power drived on my stomach and he came shooting out. Um, but he, wow. his arm didn't break. It was, it was a little bruised. I didn't tear everything was fine and he didn't need oxygen he didn't need anything he just literally only had a little bruise on his left arm and after that they were like no you're having a c-section I'm like no I'm not (laughs) I'm not having a c-section just because he got stuck coming out I didn't need assistance you just pushed on my stomach a little and well a lot and he came out and everything was fine, and I didn't have a dystocial baby again, I had uh, ever, um, all my babies were over nine pounds and 23 inches, um, except for one, um, she was my IUGR baby, she was only five pounds, and, but, um, my last baby, she, she, um, she came out, she gave me a little hard time, she wanted to come out hands first, and she even grabbed the nurse's hand when she checked me <laughs> and it flipped her out. But again, I advocated for myself and I never needed the assistance in labor. And, and I, there was never any reason for me to have a C-section. It was with my fourth where I fired the doctor and said, no, because he literally walked in. My doctor was out of town. He literally walked in and said, um, you've been in labor for four hours. Your last pregnancy, your last labor was only three hours. So if you don't have this baby in the next hour, we're going to have a C-section. I said, no, we're not. And he goes, if you do not have a C-section, you refuse. I will physically remove the baby out of your vagina. And I was like, try me, <laughs> try me. I will walk out of here and go across the street to a different doctor. Wow. You will not do that. In, and my husband even stood up and said, no, you're not. And they put, my husband was aggressive in my paperwork. And I was like, seriously? Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. So but, what? Um, he, uh, oh, I say I advocated for myself, but he ended up walking in and, and he told me I was seven centimeters and, um, and then he, he ripped my cervix it was actually pretty, it was pretty bad. Um, very, very traumatic delivery. Um, and I was not going to have any more babies after that because I was tired. I did not want to have to keep advocating for myself. Um, and I went in to have my tooth tied and I was pregnant. (laughs) Wow. Um, yeah, (laughs) but I mean, it's, it's tiring. We shouldn't have to we go to these doctors thinking that they're, you know, I don't know what, what we think to be honest anymore, but you know, we're, uh, it's just frustrating. We, we think they have our best interest at 
heart. We would like to believe that. And we think that they want to do what we, you know, what we want and what we need. And a lot of times you're right. Like they don't, and you're right. It is exhausting advocating for yourself. It is exhausting having to stand up for yourself and say, you know, this is not right, or this is not what I'm feeling, or my intuition says this is off or whatever it may be. And, and being told that you're wrong. I remember with my doctor, um, with, you know, wanting me to have a C-section, like she was like, there's no way you're going to be able to have a B-back. Like, there's no way that this is going to happen. There's no way. And it was very much like those limiting beliefs and just very much trying to put me in the fear method. Like, and you can have this and you can have that. And it was like, yes, thank you. I know you can have a uterine rupture. Yes, thank you. I know all the risks. I'm aware. I know everything. I've done my research. Like, you're not going to scare me into submission. You know, that's what a major issue is with our entire medical system. I mean, and I know I'm going to get hit for this for saying it on my show, but COVID included, it's like, you know, you must get the vaccine because you're in fear of everything. And it's like, if you choose to do that, then you choose to because you choose to. Don't put people and riddle them in fear that they make a decision out of fear and fear alone, because fear is such a low vibe, low frequency place to be. And it shouldn't be something that they want to like surround you in to make you make decisions along with like, you must get a C-section because this, meanwhile, like you're able to have a vaginal birth. Okay. Um, I set all my moms down in a childbirth class beforehand and we go over all the induction methods because the doctor will just look at you and say, we're going to induce you. This is what you're, how we're going to induce you, but it's, they don't go into detail. They're like, oh, we're going to give you these pills or, oh, we're going to hook you up to this IV, but they don't give you anything else. And so it's my job to sit the moms down, tell them every single thing, and then also tell them how I will support them during this process and also their rights during this process. Like you do not legally have to stay in a bed. You are allowed to get up. Um, you know, um, and so that's everything. I sit them down, explain everything. And I get a lot of moms who will ask me like about vaccines and stuff. And I have to tell them, I can't give you my personal opinion. Let's sit down, go over the facts. And if you want to continue with my child, it's not my delivery, but let's share. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get, so you basically lay everything out for them so that they can have an informed, educated decision and not just what is being fed to them by the person in front of them. Mm-hmm. doctor. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. I think that's great. And I think that's why. So I tell everyone, I'm like, if you can get a doula, get a doula because I personally think that they are, you know, like I, I mean, my my doula was a godsend with with you know Arlie's birth. I mean, I, the right doulas, in my opinion, really do change your birth. Like they they can make or break what's happening. Oh yeah, I still follow my clients. Like first birthdays, I'm like, oh my goodness, my first client's baby just turned six, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe it's been so long, you know. Um, there's that personal connection that you don't have with your OBGYN or even your nurse that you've met for. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, really helps your delivery. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, I agree. I know I was, that was hard for me with COVID and everything like, you know, because my doula couldn't be there and she was on FaceTime. And I remember again, speaking of advocating for yourself, I remember, you know, I had a nurse who was just fucking awful. She just, every two seconds kept coming in, put your mask on, put your mask on. And I could not breathe in my mask. And I don't care what he says about, you know, oh my God, you should have the mask on. I was fine. My husband was fine. My husband wore his the whole time. I was not, I told everybody straight up, I was not wearing it. And, you know, my doctor was really good about it. And he was like, you don't have to wear it. You're, you're cool. Like we know you're fine. And it was like, she was just a psychopath. And every two seconds she come in the room and I was like, get out. Like, there's no reason for you to be in here. You're just walking in to walk in, like leave because I'm trying to like sit here and like talk to my husband and breathe and like do all the things and read my birth affirmations. And you keep coming in every two seconds to like tell me to put the damn mask on. And so finally, after a few hours, I told my husband, I'm like, that's it. She's gone. I am not dealing with this. Like I'm not doing it. And so you know, I had my husband call in the, you know, head charge nurse and we got rid of her and I had to wait a few hours to get 
another nurse, but I was so grateful I did because by the time it was time for my labor, another nurse came in with her. It was two other ones. They came together and they were phenomenal and they helped me practice and they helped me push and they helped me, you know, just do so many different things to get me comfortable and help me get Arlie down. Whereas the other nurse, literally, when I asked her to squeeze my hips, she literally said, I can't. Last time I did that, someone hurt my hand. I looked at my husband like, I'm about to hit this woman. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Aren't you COVID tested beforehand? And then again, this might, this might be not appropriate, but when you're wearing a mask, it's because you're not six feet away from someone, right? Right. If she, she wasn't in the room there's no reason for you to wear the mask <laughs> you know she was just uh-huh. like every two seconds and I was like oh my god please please for the love of god just stop and actually to be honest and transparent I was not COVID tested I they checked my temperature my temperature was clean and I had no symptoms and my doctor is a very sound mind person and does not feed into fear and so he was like you're good there's no symptoms I can see everything's cool you know, and so, you know, we knew, and we had quarantined, my husband and I were quarantined the whole time, we knew, you know, we hadn't been anywhere, and uh, my husband had no fever, you know, no nothing, and so it was very much like, you're here, and you're in your postpartum room, you're not going anywhere, you know, we did, we followed all the other protocols, as far as I was concerned, you know, and, um, you know, I just literally couldn't breathe in it, I had it on when I arrived at the hospital, when they, you know, had to put me in the wheelchair and push me, you know, bring me upstairs to the um, room from the parking lot, I had it on. But then after that, when I was in my own space and in my own room, it was like, no, turn the lights down, get my, you know, get my music on, get, you know, like set up my stuff. My husband put my little twinkle lights, my birth affirmation, my duel that Stacey had given him. And it was like, I'm taking my mask off. Like I barely can freaking breathe as is like, fuck that noise. <laughs> hmm. No. We're we're uh, mask free here in Texas now for a yeah. month, and our our rates are going down, and it is amazing. But I mean, I had an experience yesterday where a restaurant refused to let me sit down at the table because I didn't have a mask on. I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna go across the street to a different restaurant. Then. <laughs> exactly, you're like, and I did. Yeah, you do. And you they let me in. Good for you. Yeah, I just yeah, it's it's crazy to me, but. I mean, the, the advocating part of, I think, being a mom is such an important piece of our conversation because I think so many moms just don't know how to advocate, don't feel like they can, they're told that they, you know, can't or they're told they sh- shouldn't do something or whatever it may be, you know, you now being a mom of five and a doula and all these things, what would you say to a mom who's listening to who's a new mom or maybe even someone who's pregnant that needs to know the basics of how to advocate for themselves or to give them the empowerment and help them to want to be able to advocate for themselves. What would you share? I would say trust your gut. You have to trust your gut. If you feel like something is wrong and you're just not comfortable with this, with the doctor or something, find a new doctor you need to be comfortable. I mean, they're literally helping you bring a human being into this world. And if you can't, if you're not comfortable with them, just even if you need your husband um, to help you say, say that, then move, move on to a different doctor. Um, as far as advocating for yourself, it's hard find that inner voice but you have to find that I mean they're, they're gonna so and it's your right to have the experience that you deserve um and I think I mean we're supposed to be able to trust them but so many moms like have repeat c-sections just because the doctor said oh you have to you have to have a c-section again and, and when all reality is no, you you don't. And so just do your research. If your research thing, have a class with you, then then find find a new doctor. Yeah, I lost you at that part where you said trust your your intuition and then what did you say? 
even if, oh, trust your intuition. And even if that is reaching out to your husband or your partner and telling them, I need you to help me advocate for myself. This is exactly what I need. And if they, they, they are on board, then even if they have to call your doctor and tell them, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. Um, at least you have someone there to help you with your advocation. Um, but definitely trust your gut. Yeah. Amen to that. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. I know I keep telling that to any moms who touch me. I'm like, always trust your God given intuition, trust your gut. You have a gut for a reason. Like you're feeling something when you push away from it and you listen to someone else, then you're no longer listening to the internal. You're listening to the external and most likely that's not correct. Okay. So before I let you go, I want you just to get into a little bit of the fact that, you know, besides this amazing doula work that you do and all the advocating that you do and you know the space that you're in from all your own experiences and everything that you also do you know have a blog you're also um you know have the storks nursery and the amazing series um that i've spoken about storks nursery when i've done my tv segments tell us a little bit about you know just a little bit about that side of your business and i really want you to share um kind of how the storks nursery came about because it's different and it's i think it's pretty cool they're baby boxes, basically, and they have everything you need for the first year uh, postpartum, and that includes diapers, that includes wipes, that includes clothing and everything, and so we took that concept, um, and then we looked at their postpartum depression rates, and their postpartum depression rates were just so much lower than Texas, or even just the United States in general. Uh, and so, okay, so in, um, in Sweden and Norway, they get these boxes and they have everything in them. And their postpartum depression rates were really lower than the United States. So we took that idea and we said, we're going to give mom their nurseries with not as, not as much clothes, just buy you clothes. I mean, I don't know about your yours, but when I've attended baby showers and I've had my own, people just buy so many clothes and not really the essentials that you need. And so that was that was what we we went off of was just baby soaps. And um, but also with that, we added postpartum support. So any of the moms that we've done a nursery for, they also get three months postpartum with um with a postpartum doula. And um, that, that seems to be very helpful and the moms are able to go into postpartum with the, the extra support they need. If that's just taking a shower by yourself while they are feeding the baby or, you know, changing the baby or, or doing your dishes or whatever that is, that's supporting you, that significantly lowers the postpartum depression rate. And so that's, that's how we went into it. We did three episodes. We've done six moms, um, but we only filmed three uh, of them. And we will start filming again, um, hopefully in October is, is our goal with that. That's amazing. So Amazon actually took it down. Bummer. Um, it was too much of a reality show for them. And oh bummer so they no we were so upset it was a reality show because we put it as like a documentary on there but anyways they took it down it's only on youtube right now we're hopefully we're in works with some producers and stuff so hopefully we can get it on hulu and netflix and all of that but right now it is only on youtube um, and then on Facebook, we have it on Facebook as well. Oh, very cool. Um, well, it was on Amazon, which is still amazing. And YouTube is a great place <laughs> regardless. There's so many people that are on YouTube. Um, and that's really cool. And I didn't know that about the story because I, of course, knew what the Storks Warehouse was from speaking to it for my TV segment, but I, I didn't know the story behind it. So that's really cool. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, why then their postpartum, you know, rates would be so much lower and how moms would really feel be fully supported. I mean, it goes back to our entire conversation of just how much moms need support. So that was, that's why we were, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you did it during COVID. I'm like, yeah. How else are these moms supposed to 
have the support they need. That's why our suicide rate are, are going up for moms right now. Um, and so that was the idea behind it. And um, okay, well, um, okay, let's, um, so you know, you also have your blog. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that before we wrap things up here? So I have uh, crawlingthecampbells.com right now. Um, and basically it has all my videos. Um, it has my, my TV segments on it now. Um, and then I have my blog where I introduce moms, um, mom-owned businesses, and then a little bit about my mom hacks and, and tips and tricks of motherhood that I've gone through. I just did some rebranding, so the website doesn't have as many blogs right now. But by the end of the summer, I'll have all my blogging back up to to normal. But um, right now, it's mainly just videos and um, just guides and stuff like that. Very cool. Love it. Yeah, you have a great blog and you have a great community of helping and supporting moms. And that's how we connected. Um, and um, what was I going to say? Um, having serious mom brain. Oh, I was going to say, I wanted to end off on the note of, you know, you are a busy mom of five and you do all these, you know, different things and wear all these different hats as a doula, as someone who is, you know, an you know advocate and activist, um, you know, blogger, all these hats that you wear and jobs that you do. How do you find time for Rose and for you just as you and not just as, you know, mama, um, and what are some things you do to really like self-care and self-love on yourself? And what would you share with other moms listening who may have, you know, multiples as well that feel like it's really hard to be able to have that time for themselves? Oh, I go to, I personally go to the gym every day, every day. They have childcare and I can leave them for two hours. And so I leave them for exactly two hours. I do 45 minutes of working out. And then the rest of that time is just me and a cup of coffee and I'm relaxing. Um, sometimes I'll do some like work calls and stuff, but I also try and wake up before my kids and, and really like take a bath and just, it's, it's the small, the small moments, the um, short times. Of, of self-care, but it's something that I've had to make sure and include in my schedule. Otherwise, it's really easy to get bogged down by everything. And so I have had to make sure I have self-care. Otherwise, I'm just a total mess. Yeah. And thank you for being real about that. Because I mean, look, I've got two and I'm like, wow, I'm watching you with five. It's like, holy crap. I mean, in ages two to seven, like, it's not like they're like grown and gone. Like you're very much in it. And, you know, it's inspiring to see you doing all these things, but also to be real about like, Hey, I really schedule my self-care time and my rose time. Because I think a lot of times as moms, we don't realize how important it is to do that. I know I didn't realize it and I didn't make it a priority with, you know, with Amelia, my first go around of being a mom and now being a mom of two. Again, I advocate for myself, even with my husband of what I need. And I realize how much of that time for myself is so needed. Like the nights for me, because I'm such a night owl, like that's when I thrive. It's when I get time to be just Allie and be on my time and connect and be on my podcast or you know, read a book or take a bath or a glass of wine or, you know, whatever it may be, it's my time. And I like wrap myself in it. I have to remind moms that it, it's okay to, to be a mess. I mean, I, I mean, and people look at my Instagram and like, oh my goodness, your family's so perfect. And you have five of them. And I'm like, no, yeah, I have five. No, we are not perfect we are far from perfect. I do not have it together. I mean, I was on a call today and the mom is, I was uh, with a mom brand and the mom is as uh, the CEO of her company. And she's like, um, just give me one second. And, and she mutes me and you can tell that there were kids in the background and she came back and she's like, I don't know how you do it with five. And she just had a complete meltdown. And, and she's like, my, my daughter just spilled canned soup everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I should probably check on my children because I was locked in the closet while I'm taking this call. 
and I look out and I'm like oh yeah there's mine have Oreos smashed on the floor you know that's I mean I'm gonna have to go clean that up and and kids are gonna do that but I can't I can't get mad I mean I'm gonna get mad of course but I can't get mad at every single little thing and so it up immediately I had to just chew it in a minute and I told her that and she's like well I guess I could do that I'm like just take a breather it's okay it's not going to be perfect having five kids is hard having two kids is hard it's just as hard as having five kids though and and, and I say that in all honest honesty like having five and two there's there's no difference it's just more hands but I will say that it, the mess is, is the same. The attitude is the same. <laughs> That's for sure. You know? So I, I'm i right there with you with, you know, just with you having to. I'm, I'm right there. And, you know, I cry too. It's okay to cry, you know? Yeah. And thank you for saying that because I think a lot of moms need to hear that. And I, I know I definitely need to at points too. And it, it's so, it's so important. Well, Rose, thank you for being so real and raw and sharing so much of your journey and just your realness and motherhood and everything and being an advocate in such an important space and incredible doula. Before I let you go, of course, tell us where we can find you, follow you, pimp yourself out. And if there's anything else you want to leave us with or anything you'd want, you know, my listeners, especially moms to take away from this episode is something to maybe think about or write down or you know, anything, feel free to share. The floor is yours. Mm-hmm. Important. So don't forget that. And then we need to make sure and encourage each other. And being a mother is tough. And we're here for each other. And it's okay to have rough days. And that's that's what I will end on. Yes, I love that. We're here for each other. And you cut out, tell us your Instagram and website once again. Uh, my Instagram is Corraling the Campbells and my website is Corraling the Campbells.com and her, and her Instagram is Corraling the Campbells and guys, everything will be in the show notes. I love that Rose said that, you know, like we're all in this, you know, we really are. And, you know, don't forget, like, no matter what you're going through, you're not alone, even though it may feel like it. I know there's so many days where I have felt alone. I feel like no one else will be going through this, but we all are at you know, different times. And like Rose said so beautifully, there's always a mess and that is the truth. So thank you so much, Rose, for being here and sharing until next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.